Welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. I'm Rachel Jones, a GP, and today I'm talking with Hayden McRobbie about childhood obesity. Hayden is a professor of public health intervention and has a PhD in medical psychology. He has many years of experience in the provision of behaviour change intervention in weight management. Hayden is the Ministry of Health's Raising Healthy Kids Clinical Practice Champion for Childhood Obesity. Welcome, Hayden. Welcome. Thank you very much. So let's start with a brief epidemiological overview of New Zealand's obesity epidemic. And can you frame where childhood obesity really sits in all of this, Hayden? Well, at the moment in New Zealand, uh, according to the New Zealand Health Survey data, 11% of all 2 to 14-year-olds are obese. Added to that, there's another 21% that fall into the overweight category. So we've got a significant problem that we need to deal with. Now, those figures I gave you were just overall, of course, but there are ethnic differences to uh, take into account as well. So if you're looking at um, Māori, 15% of kids are obese. And if you're looking at Pacifica um, ethnicities, then it's almost one in three. So this is a serious issue that we, we really need to, uh, to change. So in a nutshell, why are 11% of Kiwi kids aged 2 to 14 years of age obese? Well, the causes of obesity are, are very complex. And of course, they combine environmental factors with social factors, with biological factors. And you know, we can't, we can't change our genes, of course, but we can, we can alter society and we can alter the environment. Now, because the causes are complex, the solutions are also going to be equally as complex. And medical practitioners or medical health professionals really only play one part of a, of a very wide uh, and, and complex solution, but it's an important part. And the most important part of this, I think, is making sure we monitor kids' growth. Because if we do this and we can identify changes you know, in growth that are going in the wrong direction early, then we can do something about it, as opposed to waiting until these kids are already in the uh, obese or uh, overweight categories. We recognise from beehive level down to grassroots practice level that the rising rate of childhood obesity needs to be tackled urgently. Responding to this, the Ministry of Health launched their Childhood Obesity Plan in 2015. Can you outline the key areas in this package of initiatives? This package of initiatives is essentially a 22-point plan, and it's got three main approaches. Um, You'll often see it uh, as a pyramid, and right at the pointy end of the pyramid are these targeted approaches. And this is where the Raising Healthy Kids target fits in, but also supporting whānau of kids identified as, as obese. Underneath that uh, are activities that aim to increase support, not just for families, but for health professionals and other um, agencies. These include things like the guidelines, the guidelines on weight management for uh, young people, and they're available on the ministry website, updated uh, just recently. Also, guidelines on um, healthy weight gain during pregnancy, gestational diabetes, and as you know, all of these things uh, play important roles in the development of uh, and prevention, of course, of, of childhood obesity. Then at the base of the pyramid, you have these more broad-based or broad-brush approaches, um, such as public awareness campaign. And some of you might have seen the Big Changes Smart Start Small campaigns that the Health Promotion Agency um, ran on a couple of occasions. We've also got 
eating and physical activity guidelines. Kiwi sport is another area that uh, plays an important role and also advertising standards. Let's look at the Raising Healthy Kids targeted initiative in some more depth. What is the target? Well, the target is by December this year, December 2017, 95% of kids identified as obese, that is uh, with a BMI over the 98th centile, are referred on to healthcare professionals for assessment and then for ongoing support. Now, it's a fairly um, ambitious target, but I think we're making really good progress to it. And the quarter four results um, from the end of the last uh, year were 91%. So we are getting there. Now, the focus is on kids identified as obese in the before school checks. That's just before school, obviously, age, age four, roughly. Now, that was really chosen because the before school check program has really good coverage. Um, and it's an opportune time to intervene. Uh, of course, it's just one point in time, and we, we think we have to acknowledge that actually the kids are measured and their growth monitored at other points as well. So if you see a two-year-old that's uh, moving into the obese or uh, even overweight categories, that you'd act early and not wait in, until they're four. But the whole aim of this target is, well, to build momentum for you know, referring kids back to their primary health care provider to really look at them just to check that there's no underlying cause of the obesity and any consequences of being obese, but most importantly, to monitor their growth. And the good news with kids here is that we've got time. This is not about weight loss, it's about helping these kids grow into a healthy weight, and we've got time to do that. So what's at stake, Caden? Why is this target so important? Well, we all know the risks of childhood obesity and the majority of these risks of course come when these kids uh, grow into unhealthy weight adults um, but even children that are obese or of an unhealthy weight there are risks of musculoskeletal disorders um, obstructive sleep apnea asthma and i think we mustn't forget about the mental health consequences of being overweight or obese, uh, such as poor self-esteem, even depression. And so these are, these are good enough factors in their own right to intervene. But again, we don't want these kids growing into unhealthy weight adults. And we all know the consequences of obesity in, in adulthood. So it's about acting now. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone out there that would disagree that this is not a worthy cause. Unfortunately, like many health behaviour change uh, activities, it can be a lot of hard work. So what role do primary care practitioners play in all of this? Well, I think uh, it's important to recognise that uh, primary care practitioners are the people that families are most likely to see on a regular basis. Uh, it's the health home. And I think there are two main roles for primary health practitioners. One is to assess the kids that have been referred to them. And this need not take a, a whole lot of time. And there are guidelines um, both from the Ministry of Health, but also on DHB Health Pathways. And the second activity is really about monitoring growth over time. Now, ideally, um, in an obese child, this should be done some, you know, three to six months. Um, but of course, it's probably more likely to occur opportunistically. And that's fine. I think getting systems in place within primary care to make sure kids, when they come in, that you do 
um, take their weight, take their height, and calculate their BMI centile. And that doesn't need to be done by the busy um, healthcare professionals in the practice. It could be done by others. So exploring um, the clinical aspects that you've started to touch upon in a bit more detail, your key practice points relating to assessment and management of the obese child in a GP clinic. Well, in terms of assessment, uh, like any, um, any area, you want to take a good history and undertake a physical examination. So I guess some of the points that you're looking for when you're uh, taking a history is looking back at pregnancy. Um, did the, was the mother of an unhealthy weight? Was there gestational diabetes? What was the birth weight of the child? And moving on to breastfeeding, for example. Um, as you know, breastfeeding is an important protective uh, factor here. And if you've got measurements, um, what was the early weight trajectory? Where was it going early on? Um, and are there any um, other signs that might have suggested earlier intervention could have been, uh, could have been done? Current eating habits, um, just trying to understand what, what the child would eat on a, on a normal day. Physical activity. As you probably all know, the kids should be aiming for around one hour of physical activity a, a day. And related to that is screen time. Um, and this, we're talking about recreational screen time here, so coming home from school and sitting down with computer games or TV and really limiting that to, uh, to two hours. Sleep is also important to assess, or at least getting enough of it. Um, there is an association between sleep and obesity, so um, that's something a lot of parents don't actually know. Um, unlikely, but child may be on some medications that affect um, growth such as steroids and then of course family history is also important both of obesity but things like dyslipidemia as well. In terms of examination simply watching the kid walk into the room uh, is important, talking to the child and of course taking the crucial me measurements of weight and height and then calculating the BMI centile using the age sex specific growth charts. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind here. We don't calculate BMI um, and use the cutoffs that we use in adulthood. So it's, it's using the growth charts that you have in your practice management system. So how am I going to communicate to a parent that their child is obese? This could be fraught with tension. Often these conversations with parents about their um, growth of their child can be quite difficult. And I think uh, you've got to be cognizant also that this may be the first time that the parents have ever understood their child as overweight or, or obese. I've used overweight and obese loss a lot in this conversation already, but do try when you're talking to patients to use slightly softer terms. It seems to help. So you could say of an unhealthy weight or too heavy for their age. Um, because it, it's not so uh, abrasive to uh, many, many parents. Treat these conversations uh, you know, positively and non-judgmental. So really try and help parents see the way out, out of this. And it doesn't need to be big change all at once. And there are a number of different tools you can use to, to have these conversations. The important thing is, like all of these difficult conversations that we all do in our everyday practice, is just to get on and, and make that start. If the parent seems upset, apologize. Think about the ways that they're already trying to do things. I think that most parents are really wanting their kids mm. to grow. In fact, all parents want their kids to grow into healthy adults. They may, though, have situations where it's, there are a lot of barriers. 
even working takes up a lot of parents' time and, and feeding kids sort of falls into these very short time frames where, let's face it, it's often easier um, to have pre-prepared food, which is very often higher in, uh, in calories and lower nutritional content. And continuing on with that um, thought and conversation, Hayden, those of us with children can appreciate the challenges of parenting in addition to the hectic lives that many of us lead. So what realistic and practical advice can we give to parents about preventing or correcting childhood obesity? It's a good question and, and something that a lot of practitioners worry about. Um, I think here we've got to look at the long-term approach. This is not about suddenly taking a child with a very unhealthy weight and suddenly by the end of the year they're going to have a, a healthy weight, although anything's possible. Um, as I said earlier, this is about helping these kids grow into a healthy weight over time and big changes can start small. So seeing what parents can do, what's achievable, what's a realistic goal for them to do. Um, tools like the Be Smarter tool uh, is a nice, easy tool to use that essentially is goal setting. Um, it does take a little bit of time to sit down with them and, and help them establish what that goal is, but it also helps focus um, parents' energy on what they could do first. Whatever the advice that you choose to give, it should contain uh, changes in food, activity, and also behavioral strategies. And added to that, make sure there's some advice on sleep. If you need uh, a nice easy way of remembering this, uh, you could use the 10-5-2-1-0 approach, which is 10 for at least 10 hours of sleep uh, over the day. Five, you want five servings of fresh vegetables and uh, fruit a day. Uh, two, no more than two hours of screen time. One, one hour of good physical activity and zero cut out the sugary drinks. So, I mean, it's, it's not particularly complex advice to give, and I know that many parents will already know some of these things, but it's just about helping motivate them to implement even just one or two of those things, something that will fit in with their life and that they can maintain. As many of you know, sometimes making the changes initially can be the easier part. It's the maintenance of these things long-term that is a little bit more tricky. And so having something that's workable within your family life is much easier to implement and maintain long-term than, than something that you have to make an extremely large effort for. So we've taken this all on board, but when both parent and practitioner need additional support and input, where do we find this? Who are we referring on to? Okay, good question. There are some programs out there that practitioners can refer these families to. And I think this is a really good idea. I think the role of the primary care professional is really about motivating families and patients to, to make that change. You don't always have the time to, make, you know, to sit down and spend with them to help implement that. And I think this is where if you can refer on to a program to help families implement and sustain change, that's the much easier way to go. Um, there are active family programs, for example, which are always based on physical activity, but also talk about nutrition and look at ways to make these changes sustainable. Uh, in other areas, there are parenting programs. So helping parents make those hard decisions with their kids, um, even looking for rewards that aren't re food-based rewards. Um, you know, we all need rewards for our children when you're trying to change their behavior. There are areas that don't have 
so many things on offer. But remember, the evidence is strongest around family-based interventions. And so if you can think more broadly about actually where could you send adults or parents to, um, green prescription uh, is available in all areas. So even if it's just the parents making some of these changes, you know, typically it's the parents that prepare the food um, and play with the kids. So sometimes taking it at the, at the top of the family tree can be a good start. And on that note, I think just realize that it's not always the parents that are looking after the kids. It very well may be the grandparents or aunts and uncles in many of these situations. And so make sure you're targeting uh, your, your advice to the right person. In terms of support for health practitioners, there's some great information now on the uh, HPA uh, website, but also on the Ministry of Health website, uh, both around guidelines for weight management and uh, young people, but also on guidelines for physical activity and, and nutrition. And don't forget about the health pathways that your DHBs all, all use. Um, all areas have slightly different pathways for this, especially when it comes to some of the blood tests for, for these kids, but all will advise on what's available locally and how to refer. And in conclusion, Hayden, your take-home messages. Well, I, I think the best thing that healthcare professionals can do out there is have the conversation with their families. As soon as you know that a child's even in the overweight category or moving into the obese category is have those difficult conversations with parents. I think you'll be surprised how many parents uh, are willing to accept your advice and information and will be pleased that you're caring about their kids because let's face it, uh, we all want the same. We all want these kids to grow into healthy adults. Thank you, Hayden. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. My pleasure. If you're a New Zealand primary care practitioner and would like to claim CME points for listening to this interview, fill in the Reflection of Learning form found on our website, goodfellowunit.org. Thank you for listening.